Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. Today's show features the perspective from both mum and dad with Laura and partner Zhao sharing the births of their two daughters. Having witnessed her friend give birth like a boss, Laura was excited to experience physiological birth. A hypnobirthing course helped her to feel armed with knowledge, but once laboring in the hospital and faced with the pressure to make decisions that were clouded in urgency, Laura and Zhao realized how quickly one's confidence could be stripped away. When they conceived their second child, a visit to their prospective private midwife sealed their path to home birth, a journey filled with love, connection, and deep reverence. Enjoy. Laura and Zhao, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Do you want to just start off by quickly telling the listeners a little bit about yourselves? Yes. So my name is Laura and I'm here today with my partner Zhao and we live in Brisbane and I'll let Zhao introduce our beautiful children. We have a near four-year-old Thea who was uh, born in hospital Mm -hmm. and we have Luna who was born right where we're currently sitting. Oh, how beautiful. Were those pregnancies planned conceptions? Yes, they were. Um, and they, we were very lucky. They happened much quicker than what we thought they would both times. <laughs> I think we thought it would take about a year the first time. And so we were very shocked when it did not take that long the first mm. time. <laughs> and how were your pregnancies? Should we start off with Thea's pregnancy first? Yeah. So Thea was um, a fantastic pregnancy. I was really super bone tired in the first trimester. And I'm a primary school teacher, so I remember being so tired, I would actually lay down on my dirty classroom carpet (laughs) and sleep, and then the bell for end of playtime would wake me up. I was absolutely exhausted. Mm. Um, But that eased off into the second trimester, and then I just had like a lot of aches and pains um, with her, but nothing major. Mm -hmm. And what did you do in the lead up to that birth to sort of prepare yourself, if anything? We, we did hypnobirthing course. Um, 
Yeah, so it, it was originally it was a bit of a, an unusual concept to me, um, but but Laura had um, done quite a lot of reading about different sort of approaches uh, to sort of work through labour and, and the birth. Um, but I, I found it in the end after completing it, but more so like during the birth, it was great because it gave like me as, as the partner a sense of purpose during labor and during birth. Um, so there wasn't a case of, uh, I'll just sit on the chair and sleep while everything's happening Mm. because I, I, I knew how I could be helpful. Um, and, and the course, what we did was the hypnobirthing course was really nice as well. Um, so it, it sort of gave us a greater confidence and a, a sense of calm um, and, and being more prepared, as prepared as anyone can be first time around for, for labour and birth. Mm-hmm. And I was quite lucky because I got into the midwifery <coughs> group practice. Okay. Um, yes, so that wasn't originally offered to me by my GP, but I had a friend who was newly pregnant and she had gotten into it, so I knew to ask about it. And luckily, I got a space and was accepted into that program. So I uh, had continuity of care with the same midwife and group of midwives throughout my um, pregnancy, then for the birth and also into postpartum. Mm, How amazing is that? Yes, it was lovely to not have to go and explain again your whole story, everything that's going on. So that part of it I really appreciated. And did you know anything about physiological birth prior to doing your hypnobirthing course? Yes, I had been extremely fortunate to uh, be there for one of my friends giving birth. Oh, wow. Yes, and she birthed like an absolute boss. So (laughs) I went into it thinking completely that my body and my baby were capable of birthing and that we would be able to do it working together. Um, And then when we actually had Luna at home, I invited that same friend, Felicity, to come and be a support person for me and for our toddler, Thea, and also to take a few photos. So it was lovely to have her back in my birth space after being in her birth space all those many years ago. Yeah, wow. And had she birthed at home or in hospital? She had a hospital birth, but she um, won the lottery and got into a got a birth center space. So oh, it was nice. a beautiful, beautifully supported birth. Oh, wonderful! So, should we jump into Thea's birth now? Do you want to take us yeah. to the end of your pregnancy and that first sign of labor with her? Yes. Yeah, so, my first sign of labor with her was actually before her estimated due date, when I lost my mucus plug, and. I remember messaging my friend Felicity and saying to her, I think it's it's starting, um, I've lost my mucus plug, it's, it's all going to start from here. And then my labour actually kicked off on my due date, which was the 16th of May. Um, little did we know, though, we were in for a very long, mm. <laughs> a long ride um, because Thea was posterior. So um, posterior babies normally don't follow a usual progression yeah. of labor. I've been told it can be a little bit more intense with the back pain. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really find it to be particularly intense. I know a lot yeah. of people talk about um, horrific back pain with posterior labor. I didn't really find that. I used the TENS machine a lot and we labored at home a lot. So I was probably, I was in labor for roughly two days mm. before Thea was born. Um, and we just tried to stay at home for as long as we possibly could because of what we'd learned in the hypnobirthing course. Yeah. 
What about you, Zhao? What was your perspective when she went into labor? Was there any panic or were you calm? What was the vibe? <laughs> I, I, I guess I, I felt calm more, more so because I had total confidence that Laura was confident and comfortable in what she uh, was doing and, and what she wanted done. Mm-hmm. Um, except looking back, she, she basically set up a little circuit and did a half marathon while we're at home. <laughs> <clears throat> um, at one point, like, we, we had like maybe eight steps going up to the front of our house and she just pounded those steps <laughs> religiously for a couple of hours. And, and I thought, well, there's there's literally nothing I can do at this point. So... Yeah, I just just left her to do whatever she felt needed to be done at that point. And did it help it progress? It did. So it got to the point where we called our uh, midwife Mm -hmm. and spoke to her and let her know where we were at because the contractions were getting closer together. Um, And at one stage, I thought maybe my waters had broken. So she suggested that we come in um, for the hospital to the hospital just to have a quick check, and I did that. And when she saw me, she didn't actually even think I was in labour, um, but I, but I was. And my waters hadn't broken, so she gave us the option of either staying or going home. And I wanted to return home, so we went home, and then we ended up calling her again. Was it the following day we called her? Yeah, I. Uh, it's all. A bit of a blur. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it, it's like uh, across those three days from like, the formal start of labor to actual birth, it just seems like one long continuous. Mm. Yeah, you sort of lose track yeah. of time, don't you? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Labor lands, I've heard it described as. Yeah. I think. And then once we were in the, the birth, the, uh, yeah, birthing room, uh, we were there for ages, but it just felt like it was a like a blink of an eye yeah so at what point did you guys decide to go back to hospital so we went back to hospital um just because i felt like things were ramping up and i wanted to just be in the space where i thought i would be having the baby and so when we got back in my midwife asked if she could do a vaginal exam which i agreed to and she was surprised to discover that i was six or seven centimeters died and so was like okay let's go to the birth suite So we got to the birth suite and they started to fill up the birth pool, which was leaking. So Zhao had a bit of blue tack and MacGyvered that (laughs) for us. Oh, wow. (laughs) So got into the birth pool and then that just slowed things right down, Um, which at the time I wasn't particularly worried about. But I think, again, because I was on the clock, because I was in hospital, Um, my midwife might have been a bit worried that that was what was happening. Um, And so she suggested that I get out of the birth pool. Um, And at some stage during another uh, vaginal exam, my waters broke. So then after that happened, she then suggested that I get hooked up to have the continual fetal monitoring. And... I think for me that's where it all started to unravel a little bit Um, and probably was the first thing I should have been more firm in a no about Mm. um, because then obviously they were tracking the baby more closely. I couldn't get back into the birth pool so I had the TENS machine back on and my midwife then suggested that I have Syntocin to speed up the labour 
um, which I agreed to. And then that, of course, caused Thea to become distressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point during all of that, there then were just a lot of people. It just in- really escalated really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people entered the room and then it was very much, I needed to get on my back, hold my legs, take off all my jewellery. I was going to have an emergency cesarean. And I was just saying, take, while I was taking off my rings, <laughs> saying, no, no, mm. just saying is out, don't let them take me. Don't let them take me. There was an anesthesiologist there next to me saying you need to have an epidural, and I was saying no, I don't think I, I don't think I need one. Um, and then the anesthesiologist said to me, you won't be able to birth this baby without one, and I'd like you like to see you try. Oh, and gosh. I remember in my head thinking, game on. <laughs> oh, and I wish I had a, I wish looking back, I hadn't just started swearing at that point <laughs> <laughs> and just started repeating the line, I do not consent, I do not consent, yeah. because there was just so much happening all at once and so many people in our faces, mm. um, which I feel would have actually been more scary for Zhao because he was on the outside. I was very much like, no, I still felt like I was fine. I didn't feel like we were at an emergency situation but for Zhao looking at me and all of those people in the room it must have been quite confronting for him um then fortunately um, another doctor happened to enter the room and she said oh no we've got time to try the vacuum the ventus would you like to do that and it was like well I'm choosing between (laughs) major abdominal surgery which because I'd said no to the epidural it would have to be a general I'd be one of them said to me oh you'll be knocked completely out and you wake up with a baby in your arms doesn't that sound nice wow so disconnected (laughs) I thought no no it doesn't it doesn't sound nice so we agreed to do the vacuum Mm. and the doctor said to us you're going to have three goes and if this doesn't work then you will be wheeled off down to the theatre, um, and on the third go, Thea was born. On, on the third and on final, the, but yes. like, mm. we were told, this is it, like, if this doesn't work, you've got one good push in you, this this is the, the time for it, because if this doesn't work, we're, we're out. So yeah. intense. Yes, it was very intense, and on the third go, Thea was born. And I didn't realize she was born until she was on my chest. I think I was actually still pushing. And then she was placed on my chest. And then I realized mm. that she had been born. Mm. Yeah. And we sort of were somewhat prepared for it because in the hypnobirthing course, like towards the end, like there is a, a component where like you're told that things are just going to be quite rushed if they don't go to what the, the hospital um, believe should be happening and so you sort of come up with a bit of a plan in, in terms of how you would respond and asking for time to consider decisions but when you're in the moment and there are just suddenly a thousand people in the room and you're not ever asked anything it, it's, mm. it's always sort of put as this needs to happen now yeah and when when you're the partner looking at like you know Laura laying there trying to give birth and it's like all right, I've, I've just got experts, medical experts telling me that this needs to happen. Like, who am I to go, no, but but also going, no, Laura does not want to have a cesarean. So, like, let, let's let's consider any other alternatives first. Yeah. But in the moment, 
so much pressure, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but just to just to backtrack, I feel like I missed all the beautiful parts. Oh, from yes, the tell us. Um, Zhao did the most incredible job of supporting me throughout it all. We we knew that we were going to call Thea Thea before she was born, because. Let's face it, all newborn babies just look like potatoes when they're born anyway. So, <laughs> so true. We, picked, we picked a name. And so uh, Zhao, during my whole labor, was just whispering affirmations to me using Thea's name mm. and reminding me that Thea would be here soon and we'd get to meet her and we'd hold her. And it was just beautiful. I just felt so well supported by him the whole time. And it was lovely. It's some really beautiful memories, although it was incredibly intense at the end, there are also some really special memories mm. of the labor process. Yeah, that's beautiful. So considering that you had a vacuum delivery, I know from experience, did you have any tearing? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <clears throat> I, had a, I had a 3A tear okay. and the a doctor who had done the vacuum extraction, she said to me, once Thea was born, okay, I'm going to wheel you down now to theatre and stitch you up. Mm. And I don't know what possessed me, but I just said, no, do not move me. And she very kindly respected those wishes and didn't move me from birth suite and stitched me up in birth suite, which I was thankful for because after going through all of that, I just couldn't comprehend then being moved to somewhere else. So I had a yeah third degree tear, and then also too after I had been stitched up, I the midwives came and encouraged me to get up to have a shower, um, and when I tried to get up to have a shower, I was feeling really faint and I felt like I couldn't breathe properly in the shower. So I told Zhao and the midwives helped me to get back into bed, and when I was in bed, I couldn't lay flat on my back. I had intense back pain, and I thought I just pulled a muscle from holding my legs to my chest so tightly. Um, and so the doctor was called back in who had done the vacuum and also stitched me up. And she said to me, we think maybe you have an undiagnosed heart condition oh. <laughs> and the stress of labor <laughs> and the stress of labor has brought it on. So we're going to now hook you up to a EC, ECG, ECG? Yeah, ECG, and we're going to send you for a chest x-ray. No. So did it end up being a heart condition? No, no, no. But. Before knowing that, I had to be wheeled around the hospital down to where the x-ray section is and stand up to have an x-ray of my chest taken. Um, but no, no heart condition, but still had the pain in my back. And there was a change of shift with midwives and my, my um, MGP midwife by this time had left and a new midwife entered the room. And when I explained the pain I was having, she said to me, oh, this is going to hurt but I'm going to press down on your stomach. And so she pressed down on my stomach and I expelled a massive clot. And that was the one time during the whole labor that Zhao went like green in the face <laughs> and turned away. Oh no, poor thing. She, she did it twice and, yeah. and they were decent blood clots that like shot out. Yeah, and it felt like a, like a tentacled octopus. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Exiting my body. That's so weird because I feel like that's such a common thing yeah. after birth. So I'm surprised they went yeah. straight to heart condition yeah. and yeah. not blood clot. Yeah. yeah. So so after that, it was just 
Amazing. So after that, immediately the pain in my back was gone. I could lay flat on my back, but the downside was that I'd, I had lost a bit of blood and that was because it was a prolonged labor and vacuum extraction and because of my um, tear. Yeah. So then because I'd lost quite a bit of blood, that then led to not a great postpartum. I ended up having postnatal depression um, and extremely low iron that nobody picked up on until I went to see a new GP when I thought, oh, I need to just go on medication now for my mental health, I'm not coping. And he said to me, before we do that, let's just do a blood test and discovered I was extremely, my iron levels were extremely low and got me in for an iron infusion that day, which made the world of difference. Yeah, so good to hear that you took those steps. So when you guys decided you were ready for baby number two, what were some of the things that you decided to do differently this time around? For me, I thought the the hardest part for me was postpartum. I I could give birth. I felt like I could be in labor, give birth any day of the week. That didn't. That was not where my fears rested. My fears were in postpartum because it was an absolutely horrific time, and. I was so afraid of having postnatal depression. And for me, when I thought, what were the things that impacted that the most? I thought it was how I was treated in pregnancy, how I'd be treated in labor, how I would be treated in postpartum. And giving birth, I think, was like a fundamental point to me that I thought if I can be heard in birth and respected in birth and my baby can enter the world in a more peaceful, <laughs> a more peaceful way, um, then hopefully that would set me up for a much calmer postpartum. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's all connected, isn't it? So was there anyone that you were drawing inspiration from when you decided to choose where you were going to birth? I actually think I had found your podcast by then, Sky. Oh, that makes yeah. me emotional. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think I had listened, I had started listening to your podcast and hearing all of these beautiful stories of how babies can enter the world and how mothers and families can feel held and supported during that time. Mm -hmm. And I think also too, I had started following on Instagram a few more um, like birth photographers and that had led me to then find more home birthing women. And I think I just went down that, um, down that path. And then it was one night after I had put Thea to bed that I came downstairs and I said to Zhao, how do you, I think I even said to him, I'm going to suggest something crazy. How do you feel about a home birth? And to my surprise, he just said, yeah, why not? Let's do it. That is amazing. And did you know anything about home birth, Zhao? I had... I had recently come across two friends. So just what they shared on Facebook, Mm -hmm. just um, just the fact that, oh, we, we gave birth to our new baby and it was a home birth. So I was like, oh, like it, it happens and it can happen safely. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I think Laura had possibly spoken to me about the, the podcast, um, a little before we decided we were gonna, have a second baby yeah and and i think like that sort of familiarization or maybe conditioning um (laughs) sort of set me up to to not be um confronted by it and and it was just like another approach to having a baby Mm, i love that 
So should we go through your pregnancy with Luna? How was that experience for you? Yeah, so my pregnancy with Luna was pretty much the same as with Thea, except I, I wasn't as tired. Um, and I also didn't have as many aches and pains. So that was really lovely. Um, yeah, we didn't have to go shoe shopping oh. <laughs> like three or four times. Oh, my feet were so sore when I was pregnant with Thea. I was in absolute agony. They would just wow. ache. Um, yeah, but with Luna, not as much sore feet. Yeah. <laughs> and I also started having, I had chiropractic support. Um, and also I saw an acupuncturist towards the end of my pregnancy as well with Luna. And with Thea, I went on maternity leave when I was 38 weeks pregnant, which was the most ridiculous decision <laughs> I ever made. Um, and with Luna, I decided to go on maternity leave much earlier. So I think I finished when I was about 35 or 36 weeks pregnant. And then I just relaxed into pregnancy. And where we live, there's a beautiful heated pool a short walk away. So I was just walking to the heated pool, swimming laps, having a coffee, reading birth books and just, yeah, completely relaxing. Mm -hmm. What about other resources? Was there anything in particular that you found helped get you more knowledgeable about physiological birth, like books or courses or even other podcasts? Yeah. So I read... um, Sudan, Juju Sudan's book, Active Birth Skills. Mm-hmm. And I also read Janet, Janet Belaskin's new Active Birth Skills. And I loved both of those. And I think I was preparing myself mentally for a super long labor because that's what it had been with Thea. Mm. So I wrote down a few like birth circuit ideas. I got some stress balls organized, mm-hmm. all those sorts of things in like a beautiful birth box that I thought I could call on as I needed them throughout labor. Um, I read both of Rhea Dempsey's book, listened to anything that Rhea Dempsey, any podcast Rhea Dempsey spoke on. Um, yeah, yeah. And just immersed myself in only positive birth stories. That's awesome. And what about your private midwife? How did you guys find her? Yes. So we were actually so lucky because at the time I had no idea how sought after and hard Mm. to get private midwives are. Um, And I actually didn't find our private midwife (laughs) until I think I was about 20 weeks pregnant. Oh, wow. Well done. Yeah, so I found her at 20 weeks. So I actually was still kind of playing with the idea of having a hospital birth. Um, I'm not sure why. I think my, my heart had decided at a home birth, but my head was just still catching up with the idea mm-hmm. and one of the key things that influenced me was I had met Emma at this stage luckily so sweet beautiful <clears throat> Emma works out of it takes a village midwifery I love those ladies <laughs> yeah beautiful so beautiful and when I drove to meet up with her the whole drive there I was saying to myself oh you're just gonna have a hospital birth just go to hospital and have a baby like everybody else like that's fine that's what you do and then I got there and I met sweet, beautiful Emma. And in the the clinic where they work out of, there's angel wings painted on the wall. Yes. And Emma sat down on the couch and oh. the angel wings were behind her. <laughs> <laughs> and then I actually don't know if I heard anything that Emma said the whole time I was there because my head was just screaming, oh. we're having a home birth. Oh. We're having a home birth. That's so beautiful. I wonder yeah. if it was strategic or not. <laughs> I know. I have to ask Emma. Actually. Oh, because the couch is 
aren't there anymore. They've been moved. But oh, that's just I'm sure where they wasn't. happened to be at the time when I met him. Yeah. Um, and so, so then I, Emma was like, okay, well, just, um, you know, you've got time to have a little think about it. And so I went away and I had that week, I was booked in to have a, my booking in appointment with the hospital um, via Zoom, of course, in the COVID times. And it was a terrible, terrible experience. And I'm actually so glad that happened because that even further cemented to me that giving birth in hospital is not the right place for me to be. So as soon as the Zoom conversation started, the midwife said to me, when are you booking in for your C-section? And I, and I just thought, oh no, this poor midwife, she's got the wrong file. She's been speaking to women all day. So I just calmly said to her, no, my name is Laura and I'm not having a C-section. Um, and then later an obstetrician got on the phone and the obstetrician again said, when are you booking your C-section? And I was really confused by that stage and said to her, what do you mean? Why would I have a C-section? She said, because of the type of tear that I had had when I had Thea, that it was highly recommended that I have a C-section. And I said to her, statistically, what are the chances of that same tear reoccurring? Not even to take into account the fact that I was on my back, it was, I was being directed pushing and there was an instrument delivery and an episiotomy. So Mm. lots of factors contributed to that tear that I had. And she said to me, there is a 4% or less (laughs) (laughs) of that tear or worse happening again. And I'll take my chances. And I said to her, I started laughing. I had an inappropriate reaction and I started laughing. And I said to her, a 4% chance over a 100% chance of major abdominal surgery. Mm. I I just couldn't, I couldn't, it's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. And if I hadn't, if I hadn't done all of the work that I had started to do already by that stage, I may have just said, okay, yes, let's book in for a C-section. And then I would have been counting in the numbers as somebody who's booked an elective cesarean. But that's not elective. You've been told by a medical professional, when are you booking in your C-section? And Mm. that's not informed consent. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So anyway, so it was great that that conversation happened. And a few other things too. They they said to me I, I should have a student midwife. I said I didn't want anybody extra in the room. you couldn't get into the MGP. Yes, I, I couldn't get into That's right. I couldn't get into MGP this time. They said to me I should have a student midwife. I said I didn't want anybody extra in the room. The midwife then said, no, you need to sign up for one because it's a teaching hospital, so you will end up with extra people in your room anyway. Mm. Um, and I think during this conversation, I was just texting Zhao and saying, we're definitely having a home birth. Yeah. <laughs> Realistically, I, I think after the meeting with Emma, like the, the home birth was more or less locked in mm-hmm. um, based on what Laura had said um, and, and her reaction. Because uh, up until that meeting, we were still thinking uh, it could go either way, MGP or private midwife because of, of the cost and um the the unknown of home birth but the moment she met emma and i I spoke to her about it it was like ah that's it well yeah that that's that's clearly how we're going but we'd already um laura already had disappointment with um the hospital to try and get into the mgp program and um yeah Mm. Were there any fears that you had to work through in the lead up like for instance when you tear did you have any fears around that no I was not at all worried about tearing. I also follow a, another um, 
amazing woman on Instagram called the Matrescence Project, yes, and she had had a home birth, and she had sustained a significant tear in a home birth, and so she shared about how her how she transferred after giving birth and what that process looked like. And for me, there wasn't any fear around that. I thought if I do have another tear and I need to transfer to hospital, then that that is fine. That's mm-hmm. what will be will be. There's only so much I can do to control that. But I also knew that I was helping myself immensely by not being in a hospital <laughs> yeah. to not sustain a significant tear again. And also, Emma, the midwife, was great. Like, we, we would sort of just compile a list of questions for whatever appointment we had and we'd be like, right, so we've, we've heard this. Like, Laura had already sort of done her own sort of research into it. But just checking, what's your view on this? And and Emma would give us quite, like, like a, a, an amazingly objective view. And she would say, like, here's some further reading you can do, um, but my view would be this. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that was really good about Emma was that along, and this was something I was saying to Zao, like, I didn't realise how much I missed this the first time, was that before she would even place her hands on me, Mm. she would ask permission. Oh, I love that. Yeah, just such simple things like that to be asked before you're touched. And she would ask before anything she did, if she wanted to take my blood pressure, she would ask. If she wanted to feel where the baby was, she would ask. And she would also say to me, before feeling herself where the baby was, she would say to me, where do you feel the baby? Mm. Where do you think your baby is sitting? And I thought that was so beautiful because it also encouraged me to really connect with Luna and have an understanding of where she was inside me which I thought was lovely so one one important thing that I should probably (coughs) is that during all of the different having Emma it was very much do you want this test yes or no here's the benefits here's the things to consider and I had done pretty much all the testing with Thea and then with Luna I thought okay I'll do I'll I'll do the testing again and I naively did the gestational diabetes testing thinking, oh, I was fine the first time, I'll be fine this time. I ended up coming out just over the um, allowance and so got diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Mm-hmm. And again, I was so thankful to have Emma on board because then you then move into what's called a category B where Emma needs to suggest or ask if you'd like to seek outside support for that um diagnosis and so I had to go to diabetes school (laughs) um (laughs) through the MARTA and that again COVID helped me because it was all via Zoom so I didn't have to go in and I felt like that saved me from a lot of extra like poking and prodding and and um other things that could have happened in the hospital and so I was just monitored remotely by the hospital and Emma also to put me onto like a few different resources, including Lily Nichols um, recipe book for gestational diabetes. And I, when I first got the diagnosis, I was so, I instantly just felt so deflated because I thought, well, this is it. Say goodbye to my home birth. Mm. I'm going to have to have a baby in hospital now. Mm. And Emma said to me, she was comfortable supporting me to have a home birth as long as I was diet, if I was diet managed or if I went on to metformin and that managed it. But if I needed insulin, that's when it would then cross over to hospital. And she said she could still support me all through my labor. I could labor at home. She could support me at home in labor. 
And then when I transferred to hospital, she wouldn't, she didn't have admitting rights, but she could support me in more of like a doula capacity. And even knowing that gave me a great sense of relief. I still really wanted to have a home birth, but I thought if that's what happens, that's what happens. And knowing I'd have Emma there would also be a support to me. Um, thankfully, my gestational diabetes was able to be controlled with metformin. So I was able to birth at home. Amazing. And when you start researching into the gestational diabetes label, it's very controversial. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. They've only just recently changed it too. So yes. a year or two yeah. ago, you may have yes. escaped <clears throat> that label. Yes, that's exactly right. Which does make you question how much science is in that science, but that's that's a conversation yeah. for another I, time. And I, I went down the <laughs> rabbit hole and I, I looked into like Lancet articles and, and other peer-reviewed um, studies on the the arbitrary thresholds of the gestational diabetes and 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 one paper I read was yeah this new threshold we we can't actually justify it but we think it's better than the existing thresholds so mm. let's let's go with these numbers yeah wild isn't it should we jump to that first sign of labor yeah yeah so I had been having wild pedromal labor for probably about two weeks because I had convinced myself that Luna was going to come around 38 weeks because everyone says, oh, it's like a baby, that'll come come sooner. Um, And so pretty much every night I was going to bed and I was having regular contractions to the point where I even downloaded a contraction timer because I thought, this is it, it is happening. And it would all just fizzle and I'd wake up in the morning still pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And so then I think there was maybe like a day before I went into labour I was so over it and I had a big cry to Sal and was just like, oh, I'm just going to go to bed again tonight and I'm going to have contractions and I'm not even going to wake up and I'm still going to be pregnant. And I think that was the best thing I could have done because then I, the following day, I went into labor, which was amazing. So we were getting Thea ready for bed and I said to Sal, let's just blow up the birth pool. Let's just do it now. So that then that's one less noise to wake Thea up, just in case. And so Zhao reckons he knew when I said that, that it was game on. We were going to have a baby. <laughs> I still didn't know. I just thought, let's just not wake the toddler up too early on in the night. Yeah. And was the plan to have her there? Yes. So we had done a lot of preparation and talked to her about it. Um, and... It was amazing watching her because when I first started watching, I started showing her birth videos and I really censored what I showed her to begin with. And she started off and she'd watch them standing behind my shoulder. And she she didn't want to see the placenta. She didn't want to, not too much, not too much noise. We'd even mute them and just watch what was happening. And I'd really only show her a little bit and we'd talk about what had happened. And then slowly she got more and more into it. And mom, let's watch a birth video. And she started asking to watch them. And we were just watching any birth video. Like there could be women roaring their babies out. And she'd be watching and oh, saying, oh, the baby's coming. Yeah. She'd be watching and saying, wow, that mum is so strong. And then she started acting out having a baby. So we've got a toy mm. basket. She'd tip all the toys out, get into there and pretend to give birth to her own baby mm. <laughs> in her in the birth pool. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. And we also bought that beautiful Welcome Home book. I can't remember who the author is. And we read that book and that was fantastic because it also talks about the, the bleeding that the mother has afterwards and how that's completely fine. And so it was pretty much like that book, mm. the way that it went for us, which was lovely. Mm. 
So we put Thea to bed that night. It was about sort of like 8.30. We were watching TV. Laura's going, oh, I just, I just don't feel right. I, I feel real tired. Maybe I'll just go lay down. Uh, and I was like, okay, all right, you go upstairs. I'll, I'll tidy up down here. I'll blow up the, the pool, and then I'll come up. And then by about 10.30, she was like, oh, I'm getting these sensations like labor and it's 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 not really strong yet so so i said oh, i'll i'll download a contraction timer and we'll just see how it goes um and then by about 11 30 like they, they got a little bit more regular so i was like oh i i think it might be time to just let emma know that we we, we might be on here and and at that point laura was still like no i i, I don't think so it's <laughs> denial it, it just doesn't quite feel yeah, yeah 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 i totally thought oh no this is just gonna become nothing again i'm gonna wake up pregnant tomorrow like it's i'm gonna be the first woman who's pregnant to like 52 weeks it's totally fine like don't even call emma yet <laughs> so i think we called her at like 11 30 and she was like all right well you know what i'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just get my stuff together I'll just um, start getting ready, and if, if anything else happens, let me know. And then at 11.55, Laura feels a, a pop. Yeah, and my waters broke, and it was the most amazing <clears throat> feeling because with Thea, I hadn't felt that, and so I was so excited, and I said to Zhao, wow, my waters have just popped. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I was just so, I was so excited by the feeling, and it felt like an elastic band had been pulled inside of me, and it felt like the pop was so loud that Zhao should have been able to hear it. And so then, at that stage, I was still in bed, and I said to Zhao, right, like, let's get up, and we'll just get a towel, and we'll check the colour so we can let Emma know. Um, and they were just a beautiful, clear colour with a, a hint of, pink and which Zhao let Emma know and then I think I had another contraction and then I we worked out my contractions were about three minutes apart by that stage and so I thought okay I've got three minutes to get get downstairs downstairs. (laughs) because we live in a we live in a townhouse and I knew I did not want to have a contraction on the stairs (laughs) so I quickly hobbled my way down the stairs and then just started to ease into one of my positions from my birth circuit with a birth ball leaning on a yoga mat. Um, and I had an eye mask that I just kept pulling down over my eyes every time I felt a contraction come. And we got the TENS machine out. Yeah, and we got the TENS machine out and hooked that up. Um, and then I think Paul Zhao, Emma had given him jobs <laughs> that he had to start doing. And then every time a contraction was coming, I shouted, I couldn't think, I couldn't put a sentence together. So I would just shout out to Zhao, words, <laughs> or I'd shout out to Zhao, speak, because I wanted him to just start telling me some beautiful affirmations. <laughs> the affirmations are so helpful with Thea's labour that I wanted to include that again with Luna's yeah, labour. And, and it was then sort of boiling water so that when Emma gets here, she could um, sterilise stuff and start filling up the, the birth pool. And then Laura had made some labour aid, so there was defrosting some labour aid. And and all, all of the circuits and all of the preparations she'd done, the the labour aid, some snacks, in the end, didn't really use any of it. Yeah, <laughs> so often the way. So at what point did Emma arrive? Just before one o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Emma, and then Sorka, our second midwife, and then we also had a beautiful student mid- midwife, Izzy, who came as well. 
And Izzy was an absolute godsend because all of them entered the birth space so peacefully and just didn't speak to me while I was having a surge. But then once the surge was finished and my eye mask was up, Emma would just, oh, I'm, I'm here. You're doing a great job. So spoke to me so beautifully. I don't think I heard Sorka or Izzy's voice at all until after Luna was born. And while Zhao had to step away to do some of his jobs, <laughs> Izzy stepped in when she noticed I was having a surge because Zhao had also started doing some hip squeezes mm-hmm. and Zhao wasn't there to do one. So Izzy just silently stepped in and did a hip squeeze. And at the time, I remember thinking, whoa, that was a very good, <laughs> that was a very good hip squeeze. <clears throat> and I remember even trying to like, trying to turn to see like, oh, is this Zhao? What's happened here? This is very good. Um, yeah, so Izzy was uh, such a super support for that, which was incredible. And then not long after that, Philip, no, I then, uh, not long after Emma arrived, she said, if you'd like to, you can get into the birth pool, but completely up to you. It's there if you'd like it. And I remember thinking, yes, I would like to get into the birth pool. And then Emma looked at the temperature. Uh, and by this time, I'd taken off the TENS machine. And then Emma checked the temperature and said, oh, it's a bit hot. And I had the TENS machine off. And I wasn't in the birth pool, so I was in no man's land. And I just thought, I don't care how hot that pool is, <laughs> I've got to get in there. And so I got into the birth pool and, yeah, it was just sweet, sweet relief. And not long after that, did Felicity, Felicity arrive first? Yeah. Felicity arrived. Yeah. And then Thea woke up. And so Thea came down, Thea <clears throat> called out for Zhao and because Felicity was there, which was fantastic, Zhao could step away and, and talk to Thea and then Thea came downstairs and saw me and then she saw Felicity was there and so she wanted Felicity to take her upstairs to put on a beautiful princess dress <laughs> as you do at 1.30 in the morning when your mum's having a baby <laughs> in the dining room. <laughs> and so, yeah, so then Thea just came in and out of the space with either Zhao or Felicity Um and it was it was lovely for her. I, mm. Yeah, she was able to move away if she needed to, and she had two people there who she who she knew and loved. And she also had built a beautiful relationship with Emma over the course of the pregnancy and too, and Izzy, because Emma and Izzy had included her in the whole process as well. So she knew them. She was really familiar with them too, which I think helped her. Yeah. So what were you doing during your surges to sort of help you cope? I was just moving as I needed to and making noise as I needed to. And I had watched um, Bee's videos from Core Core and Flora Store. She has free um, birth videos. And she talked about horse lips and things like that just to help with breathing your baby down. And so I tried to do like lots of horse lips. But it was just so amazing to feel Luna the whole way through it. I just loved being able to feel where she was. I knew when she was getting lower, I could feel her head do the coffee plunger thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like in, out, in, out, just amazing. Um, And and we had spoken about what we wanted during our birth planning session with Emma. And one of the things I said was if... Emma could speak like affirmation words over me like that would be something that I would love and so Emma every now and again would say an affirmation and I would hear that and repeat it and yeah just moved as I needed to but you didn't really sort of rely on the affirmations so much this time no I don't feel like I needed them as much this time I just really was able to just feel every sensation within me um, and know that it all meant that my baby was getting closer each time Mm. 
and such a different experience with how Emma interacted um, whenever she needed to. And, and it wasn't so much like an interventionist approach. It was sort of very much sort of suggestions of like, you know, you're, you're doing well, you, you might want to um, move your leg a little bit or move back a little bit. It wasn't a case of you need to do this now. Mm. It was like when you are ready, think about like where you're positioned or whatever it might be. And, and it, it was just so like amazing to see like another approach and how calm it was and um, how aware she was of Laura and where she was in the sort of labor birthing process. Mm-hmm. Mm. And nobody needed to put their fingers inside my vagina. Yes. That's just completely not necessary. Yeah, wow. What a different experience, huh? Even just that element alone. So take us to that moment that she is just about to be born. Yeah, I think maybe I might have been, like, holding on to her because I remember Emma saying, like, let her come. If she's ready, let her come. And I was really like, okay, all right, let her come. Just like relax, release, and let her come. And I don't think I was actively pushing. I think my body was bearing down for me. Um, and yeah, and I didn't, I, I, one of the things I was a bit worried about was experiencing the ring of fire because obviously with the vacuum, you don't get that. Mm -hmm. And I was a bit worried about that, but I didn't experience the ring of fire. I also was worried about how I would go with transition because with fear, I hadn't experienced transition. Um, and I remember when speaking to Emma about it, Emma just said to me, it might not even happen. Like some women don't experience transition. And I don't think I did. I, I remember saying to Zhao, I'd like to have a nap now, like you take over. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. think for me, that was, that was transition. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and I was in between each contraction. My body just gave me the most beautiful rest. I was able to just come right back down and just rest completely between each surge. Um, and then, yeah, so I didn't experience the ring of fire. Her head was born. I didn't realize her head had been born. And Emma just quietly said to Zhao, Come, come around this side so you're ready to catch her. And Felicity moved in. So she, so Felicity was then in front of me holding my hands. Um, and I remember then feeling this most, the most bizarre feeling of like a fish half inside of me, half outside, <laughs> wildly <clears throat> flapping its tail around. And there's a video of me. I'm trying to like turn to see what's happening because I was convinced somebody had their hands on her and they were turning her. And it wasn't. It was Luna in her innate wisdom turning herself to get her shoulders into a better position to be born. Wow. Clever little things, aren't they? Yeah. And so she did. So she got her shoulders. She turned Mm. herself. She got her shoulders organized. And then she came, the rest of her came out. Yep, slipped right out. So caught her and gave her to, to Laura. And she exclaimed, you're very Vietnamese <laughs> as you cuddled her. And she had hair, which which also blew her mind because uh, Thea was a baldy baby. Mm. And, and Thea was standing there, like, during that, that final phase, Thea was standing there with Felicity and me the, the entire time just looking on, and she thought it was just an amazing experience. How beautiful is that? Laura, can you remember any of your inner dialogue in those moments after she was born? I was just so thankful to Luna and in the video that we've that um, sweet beautiful Sorka took for us, um, 
I the, after I had said to her, "Oh, you're very Vietnamese," which is okay, Sky, because Zhao is Vietnamese. Yeah. <laughs> Did we explain that? I mean, I kind of figured it out. Um, so after I had said that to her, I then just thanked Luna over and over again and just said like, wow, Luna, you did such a good job. You did mm. such a good job being born because I was just so in awe of her. Like my body had done it, but she had done it too. She was such an active yeah. participant in the whole process. And I'm so thankful for the home birth because I felt so connected to her throughout the whole labour and knowing and feeling exactly where she was, that when she was born, there wasn't that surprise of, oh, here's a baby and I'm still pushing. I I knew, I knew that she had been born and there she was and she had done hard work with, along with me. Yeah. Oh, that just gave me goosebumps. And what about your placenta? Yeah, yeah. So I was in, so she was born, I was in the birth pool for a little while and because of my previous, um, postpartum hemorrhage or clots that I had, Emma had said to me that was something she'd keep an eye on, just my level of bleeding. Mm -hmm. And so after she was born, I just said to Emma, are you comfortable with the blood in the pool or would you like me to get out? And Emma said, oh, it's a normal amount, but let's get out just so we can keep a better eye on it, which I was completely fine with because that was one of the things we talked about before I had had Luna. Um, And so, yeah, so got on to the couch for a little mm. bit, Luna um, attached to the boobs straight away. Um, and then Emma suggested maybe I'd like to sit on the toilet to see if that would help encourage the placenta to come. Um, and I was so cranky about sitting on the toilet because I had a sh- Luna had a short cord. <laughs> so now whenever I watch birth videos, I have gel- I'm jealous of people who have long cords <laughs> because I had to sit kind of like hunched over on the toilet because of the short cord to then keep my boob in in Luna's little mouth. And I I wanted Zhao had to go away to do something again. And so I was sitting on the toilet waiting for my presenter, calling out to Zhao because I wanted to complain to him. And I think <laughs> Emma came to check on me and I didn't want to complain. <laughs> I didn't want to complain to Emma. Uh, so so and yeah, so sat on the toilet, that didn't work. So then just moved to the couch again. Um, and then at some stage, yeah, my placenta came and it was, mm. it was completely fine. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it was a physiological third stage. Yeah. Perfect. And how are you guys feeling after this experience? Were you all high on oxytocin? <laughs> oh, yeah. so high. Yeah. So, so high. I didn't sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't sleep after having, so we were all tucked up in bed afterwards. Zhao was wrecked. I think fear was also no, I feel wanted to stay up and read with me for a bit. No, but she was she was she was wrecked as well. She was but, quite but she was just like, oh, I'm a new baby sister now. Yeah, yeah, so excited, and yeah, I just couldn't sleep because I was so so yeah, just oxytocin high. It was amazing. And what was your postpartum experience like this time in comparison to your first? Just beautiful. Yeah. Just so beautiful and so incredibly, I just had this inner sense of calm most of the time, which was just such a joy to experience. And I was so incredibly grateful that that's what it has been like this time. We've also had Zhao's parents, they've moved up from Sydney um, just after Luna was born. So that's been incredible as well, having beautiful Vietnamese food. (laughs) As as soon as they found out we were having a second baby, mum was like, no, that's it, we're moving. Oh, awesome. So that's been really great. Yeah. And what about you, Zhao? How did you feel after witnessing all of this? A 
completely different, mind-blowing experience. Mm. So it, it was just amazing to see that left left to their own sort of natural devices, mm-hmm. not, not only was it a calmer birth, it was a much quicker birth yeah. because mm. there wasn't, any intervention so like late like water broke at 11 55 got downstairs just after midnight luna was born by 3 30 or something 3 yeah and 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 we thought oh like like in the moment we we're like oh like is this a a long process but like after the birth and looking back it was no it was such a calm quick birth and just so different from the last experience. Mm. I, I had actually heard people on your podcast, Sky, talk about how they were manifesting for themselves, like four-hour labours, five-hour <laughs> labours. And I think I even remember saying to Zao, oh, the audacity of these women, like <laughs> manifesting four- or five-hour labours. And then in the end, when I was sitting on the toilet crankily trying to birth the placenta and we worked out, for me, it, only, it was six hours mm. And three from when water's breaking to Luna being born. So it was just amazing. And then you'd actually written down like how you wanted the birth to go. And it was like two or three weeks after the birth that we sort of read back through that. And it was exactly as you had manifested yourself. Yeah. Wow. There you go. How powerful is that? Totally. So taking in everything you have experienced through both of your journeys, what would be your key yeah. piece of advice for mm-hmm. any expectant mothers out there? Be, be informed. And then think about what you want for your birth and your postpartum and pick then what you do with that based on the outcome that you want. Mm -hmm. So don't start with provider first. Think about the outcome you want and then work out using the information we have available to us about statistics of uh, public, private and home birth. Use that information to then decide where and with who you would like to give birth. Yeah. Well, our, our, our healthcare system is great when there is something wrong, mm. but giving birth isn't something wrong. There, there, there isn't inherently an issue in that process. Yeah. And I think naturally the, the medical system um, will look for problems rather than sort of trying to, to manage the process and then responding to it. So it, it's very risk adverse. Yeah. And, and again, our, our healthcare system is fantastic, but just in particular with labor and birth, I, I think that there there are a lot of things that can be um, done differently. And, and for first time parents or like for, for dads, like I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. You read up, you read up on things and it's like, oh yeah, okay. So this is how it should go. But then the moment you're in hospital and that there is a perception that something isn't going to what should be the regular schedule or plan, the system kicks in and it's, it, it's, it's totally consuming. Like, like I would say I'm an assertive communicator. I would say that I would be able to like, hold my own in any sort of confrontational conversation. But in that moment, I went, no, what is the medical advice? Let's just go with that. And you're not really in a position to have a, a proper informed mm. dialogue about what should be happening. It just it just happens. Yeah. Or to advocate for yourself. <clears throat> it's almost impossible when you're in that situation. Mm. And I, 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 if I could go back in time, 
I would have had fear at home as well. Yeah. And, and the, the the original view of home birth is a very, like, uh, I told people at work, I, I told some of my friends, and they were like, oh, wow, that's that's brave. <laughs> but, but it's not, because, mm. like, all through the midwife appointments, there is a thorough check. Yeah. Um, of of how the baby's going, how the mum's going, and so if there are any possible complications, that they are picked up, or should be picked up throughout any of those number of appointments. And and Emma all the way through had a great idea of where the baby was, what position she was in. At, at one point, she sort of said, "Oh, Luna's positioned slightly." horizontally or, or something I, I can't remember mm-hmm. but like she was completely aware of it and she said oh no like it, it's quite early there's there's still a fair bit of time for her to change into the the more optimal position and she she told us without being alarmed so it was more like let's let's stay aware and alert of this mm-hmm. but we don't need to do anything at this point so there's a lot more yeah. trust in the process isn't there that's right emma referred to it as divine timing yes i love that you guys have hit the nail on the head what an incredible journey you guys have had thank you so much for coming on today and sharing it with us thank you so much thank for having us. us that brings us to the end of today's episode everyone what a beautiful journey laura and zhao have had and so much birth wisdom for them to pass down to their beautiful daughters a takeaway for me from today's episode was something that is so often repeated in these kinds of stories which is when you know their first birth was managed in a hospital setting and then they go on to have a hands-off intervention free birth that always leaves them in absolute wonder when they for the first time are actually feeling the sensations of bringing their baby down i always love hearing how present mothers are in those moments and taking in all of those sensations which just reiterates for me and i hope for you too that birth is so much more than just giving birth vaginally also i just wanted to quickly touch on iron levels after birth we heard all about the importance of getting your blood work checked throughout your journey in last week's episode but even more so if you have had heavy bleeding during your birth this can really have such a significant impact on your physical and mental health during your postpartum so i just wanted to quickly remind you guys to be aware of this and to stay on top of it I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram and I'll see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia. Bye.